0: Oh, nerds
1: and junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages, we're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it. You're entering the Nerd United Nation's podcast.
2: Never apologize for being nerdy.
1: All things geek are up for grabs.
2: Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes.
1: Here's your Ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. Hello, Junior Ambassadors, nerds and nerds of all ages, and welcome back to another magical, dare I say, episode of the Nerd podcast. I am your co-host and Hufflepuff to the Midwest United States, Jared Boots. With me, as always, is... My ambassador to the Great White North of Canada and Ravenclaw Supreme, Melissa Nicholson. Melissa, how are you doing today?
2: Ravenclaw Supreme,
0: huh? Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm doing pretty good.
1: That's good. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we kept the streak going as long as we could to not talk about Harry Potter. So I guess we're talking... Harry Potter adjacent.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I
2: guess technically a prequel to Harry Potter because yeah. this is for
1: it, right? So about sixty years. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah, haven't, if you can't tell by the title, today we're talking about the Fantastic Beasts trilogy. Mm-hmm. So yeah I think we stayed away from the wizarding world as long as we possibly could, <laughs> <laughs> but I think we all knew we were going to get back to it eventually.
2: Oh of course
1: So this is gonna be just a basic discussion of uh me experiencing the well two of the three films for the first time and watching the first uh first film so I watched it originally when it came out in November of twenty sixteen so watching that for the first time in six years
2: damn
1: where's the time go
2: Mm, time flies
1: (laughs) but i should say uh before we dive into it um before we dive into this discussion of the fantastic beast franchise uh, a little disclaimer and i think i speak on behalf of melissa that um when we address johnny depp ezra miller and kevin guthrie in this episode. It'll be strictly on a performance base level and have nothing to do with anything that happened off screen with any of those actors. I think we're in agreement there, Melissa? Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: That's this is not that's not our type of show to be talking about any other stuff. So we're just here to talk about their performances only in the franchise. So anyway, should we just dive right into it? Yeah. All right. So our first film, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, November eighteenth, twenty sixteen. Uh, Melissa, what was your history? Did you see this in the theater when it first came out?
2: I did. Yes, and I, I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought it was it was a lot of fun, and it was really great to get back into that wizarding world again. Um, having had that little bit of, of, you know, that break in between from, you know, the last Harry Potter film to now and, you know, not thinking that there would be anything else after that, like, you know, it's sort of that end of it. But, um, yeah, when initially the, like the trailer, uh, for this movie came out, I, I was excited. Um, it looked really like it was going to be a lot of fun. It was going to be, you know, very much kind of capturing that, you know, the, um, the magic, the fun sort of lighthearted of like what Harry Potter was. Um, but being something different and I, will admit I was a little bit hesitant just because it would be something different. Um, but at the end of the day, I. I was excited and saw it in the movie theater and it was just it, it almost felt like you know I, I almost felt like you know the kid again seeing harry potter on the big screen for the first time it was just so much fun and i i you know love all the characters and all the creatures and um yeah it, it was it was great it was a little bit it, it almost felt you know, like I said, you know, like a kid seeing it for the first time, it almost felt a little bit nostalgic, even though this is something, you know, completely new and and, and different. It still had that little bit of, like, nostalgia to it, and so, yeah, it was um, it was a lot of fun, and I I absolutely loved it. I thought they did a really great job, and all the characters are fun, and um, yeah, it was a really great um, really great experience seeing that on the big screen.
1: Yeah, so this is what, uh, so this came out in 2016, so Death the the Hallows Part 2 was what, 2007,
0: 2008? Uh, I think, I think so. Um, let's see. Um, I think it was something around there, so it was a good, I mean a good amount of time let's see harry pot uh part part two 2011. 2011
1: Hmm.
0: yeah that's when the the second
2: the part two came out
1: it's only five years in between
0: it's a it's a decent amount of time but it's not um but yeah just yeah five years later getting a another sort of you know like kind of a, like
2: prequel to you know harry potter sort of before that so yeah you know my thoughts so what, what were your thoughts on it
1: um well like you i didn't have that like nostalgia and because going into seeing where Fantastic Beasts and be Where to Find them in 2016. I think I saw it right around Thanksgiving of 2016. Only seeing Gobbled of Fire uh, one, 10 years before that going into this. So I had no nostalgia towards this at all. Uh, I was looking at an attempt to get uh, spend some time with my friend Jasmine. Um, I do remember being very confused during most of the film just because I didn't know the wizarding world at all. I never get near the end of the film. I'm like, so Colin Farrell is Johnny Depp now? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, those are my thoughts. I remember like, recognizing Ron Perlman's voice right away as Narlak, Because they, they they really go out of their trouble to make him look just like Ron Perlman too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. Minus tonight, just remember, I didn't hate it when I first saw it because I just didn't know it. But um, but I did enjoy it, and then now I've since rewatched the films after diving into the Wizarding World uh, universe. Um, I recently rewatched. uh uh, the films with uh, somebody who's never seen cinema before, so that was an interesting uh, interesting uh, experience. and I um, know uh, that she also enjoyed it, too, so that made it even better. Uh, next, we're going to tackle a 20-hour marathon of Harry Potter.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but the, the story made sense to her, too, so... Yeah, I remember enjoying it, like, just having questions, and then when you hear Ezra Miller's, like, the thing with Ezra Miller was like, kind of bothered me, too. Like, what the hell's going on with him? And, like, is, is he dead? Did he explode? And I hear he's in the other films, I'm like, well, didn't he, like, disintegrate or blow up at the ending of the first one? So, like, so I just had so many questions going into my rewatch of these films for the first time in years. mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those where you, you almost have to
2: have a sense or know what's going on previously before going into it. Unless you have somebody who can, like, you know, kind of give you a Cole's Notes version of, like, Harry Potter and this, you know, th- sort of that world. And then go into it sort of having a knowledge of it. Because then it, things make a little bit more
0: sense.
1: you almost don't need to this is as long as you know the fact that wizards and witches exist Mm. i guess yeah you probably don't have to have a encyclopedic knowledge of the harry potter world to understand this film as long as you i would say as long as you know that you as long as you know that it takes place in the in the harry potter universe yeah and things like witches and wizards exist um i think you're pretty set i think from there you can just be ready to accept anything at that point you know
0: yeah
2: well that's like you know that's what i mean like just having a you know a basic basic knowledge nothing you know Not diving too deep into it, but just knowing that so it's a little bit more, you know, I mean, anybody can can watch these films and, you know, kind of get a sense of what's going on. Um, But it it does kind of help to have that little bit of, you know, um, knowledge going in. So things do that maybe aren't explained make that little bit more sense to you, like kind of already know.
0: Um, But yeah.
1: So, uh, <clears throat> the, cat, the main cast of the first film, we have Newt Scamander, played by Eddie Redmayne. Mm-hmm. That's how you pronounce it, right?
0: Yes.
1: Uh, Dan Folger, plays Jacob Kowalski. Katherine Watterson, plays uh, Tina uh, Goldstein, right? Yeah. Yes. And then we have Allison Sudol, who plays Queenie Goldstein. and then uh, essentially the four of them will be especially eddie Redmayne and Dane fulgur will be our leads throughout the whole thing
0: mm.
1: so uh diving in did i say the release date yes cool <laughs> my notes are just all kind of scattered right now mm. so uh what are some of your favorite scenes from this first film
2: oh my goodness there are there are so many um i i i really love the uh, it, it is kind of skipping head in into more into the film but i love when they're um they're in central park and they <laughs> and with the i can't remember the name of that big creature um but they like they have to use like the, that that Musk or whatever to you know try and you know lure it in because it's in season and basically like you know that um, Newt like armors up <laughs> Jacob <laughs> and, You know first puts the helmet on I was like, you know, you might need it. <laughs> I just I love that whole sequence because it's just it is too funny um
0: and then Um, and then when, when, uh, yeah, the, oh, the creatures
2: escape the suitcase when, you know, Jacob opens up the, the suitcase and, you know, oh, just a smidge, you know, (laughs) 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 newt's reaction to it and then collecting all the, the creatures, um, and and I love how, like, you know, at, at first. You know, Jacob. He, he's kind of dragged into this. You know, and he's like, "Okay, what?" And when, especially when they're in the, when they're in the bank, and he gets apparated to the the you know sort of staircase area, and he's like, "Uh, uh like I, I was there. Now I'm here. I uh, <laughs> what?" <laughs> but then he just kind of like he's in it. Like he he doesn't really. You know, hesitate too much about it. He's not really, you know, he, he's he's unsure when he ends up, you know, um, like interacting with the creatures and stuff. But he really adapts quickly to it. Like he's not somebody who's like freaked out or, you know, like he he's kind of unsure, of course, like what what's really going on. But then he he kind of puts things together and understands it and. I, I just love that, um, and you know the the f- funniest too is when I another moment I really like is when he gets stuck in the suitcase like he's gonna go in suitcase he gets stuck. It's like that would be me, <laughs> 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 yeah, fucking stuck in it. <laughs> but yeah, those those are some of my my favorite moments. I mean that there's so many. Um. Is it just they're all so good? Um. So, what are your some of your favorite moments?
1: Well, going off of what you said with uh, Jacob's reaction to being uh, what the separated from the lobby of the bank to the stairs, heading down to the vault. It's. I think as we follow Jacob through the whole all three films, it's. It's essentially it's it's almost like J.K. Rowling was answering questions like how would a muggle or no in this situation uh react to this kind of thing you know
0: yeah.
1: being uh experiencing magic up close and so it's cool we kind of get this uh jacob is the audience member like he's the how would how would you react to this for the first time it's because mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of how people say that zach snyder doesn't understand Superman yeah which is a total crock of shit because I think Zack Snyder understands him more than anybody Mm -hmm. because the world is not going to welcome him with open arms if he decides like an alien flies out of the sky and says oh I'm here to help or he's here to help no he's here to enslave us it's it's Superman's not always going to be open with welcome arms so it's uh, Jacob in a way is like how would a normal person who how would a muggle no mage uh no magique uh react to this kind of stuff seeing it for the first time cuz you uh you actually get a lot of muggles that experience it for the first time in this film like when uh the the Merlep escapes and bites Jacob and part of the building gets blown out mm-hmm with the gas leak and all that, all that nonsense and people just trying to explain all the shit that's going on when it's spoilers. It's clearly a uh, Creed. It's played by Ezra Miller. It's causing all this destruction throughout New York City. Um, yeah. So you're finally getting a reaction from an, cause how I don't think we got a whole lot of it in the Harry Potter films, did we? Because um, I do remember in... Half-Blood Prince, when Harry is talking to that girl at the little diner place, yeah. she's asking who Harry Potter is and all that stuff. And We get these reports of uh, the Death Eaters and Voldemort wiping out all these muggles, but we don't get like a muggle point of view from it. So it's, I think it's great that we have this character in Jacob giving us that muggle point of view, like, how does a person that is not born in this world react to all this stuff
0: mm-hmm.
2: i think and i think he reacts you know fairly well to it i think it's you you kind of have different kinds of people and there's the people who would want absolutely nothing to do with it they would be scared they would they, they wouldn't even want to you know be patient enough for an explanation they would like be like Hell no, I'm no. And then you have Jacob, who is, you know, piecing things together, you know, and kind of just kind of going with it. I think like he kind of has that. Okay, hey, this is what's happening now, and and you know, I mean, he he does have that fear when, you know, like he hits um, Newt over the head with the you know briefcase and runs away right like he has that fear um you know when he has to you know telling him that he's gonna you know like obliterate whatever and he's like he's he's gone like 10 miles away already you know (laughs) um so he has that but then he he obviously he you know comes back into it um kind of and then getting that more of an understanding of things and so yeah it's kind of it is kind of that question of answering that question of like okay you're you're you know how would you react and I think you do have a good like you've got Jacob who you know is pretty adaptive to it like he he gets pretty used to things um, fairly quickly I think Um, not not immediately but Fairly quickly, he he soon just okay. This is where the things are going, and you know, um, but then you have you know like the outside world of that figuring out what's going on. Things you know, strange things are happening. Like it's it's that reaction as well that you don't just have, you know, Jacob being the reactor, It's everybody else too, and uh, so you kind of it's a, it's a nice balance of the sort of the two, I think.
1: way i look at it with uh jacob's reaction and everything he has that initial fear well more not not so much fear as confusion
0: yeah
1: that's what's going on i think what helps the story arc for jacob is the fact that he's kind of a loner much like newt scamander is Mm -hmm. so it's the the bond these two build over the three films i think is what really uh really helps uh, Jacob understand what's going on around him. That, and I think it's the connection to the animals. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something we can probably get to and when we get to uh, Secrets of Dumbledore. Um, but um, Jacob has such a blast taking care of all these, he sees all these amazing creatures and just becomes uh, enveloped in the whole um, world in itself and uh he also goes off the bonds that he builds with tina and queenie and newt throughout the course
0: hmm he i think
2: yeah then he really builds that especially when you know he's helping out newt like feed the creatures and see them and and then understand what you know Newt ultimate sort of um, like what, what he does, like his purpose, his his goals, things like that, like his goal of, you know, like he said, like gently educating people about these creatures. And, you know, kind of getting the sense that he takes care of these things. And I think that that builds a like a sense of trust that, you know, okay, this, this guy is good. Like, he's not, he's not somebody who's, you know, he he's not an awful person. He's far from it. Like, he's, he's, compassionate, he's caring, and, you know, somebody that, you know, you can trust that like he's not just, you know, gonna turn around and do something stupid. You know, like, you know, um, so I think that that helps is that, you know, he gets that interaction gets to know, you know, Jacob gets to know new a little bit more. And then obviously, you know, knowing the other characters too. Um, I think that you know, that really helps. That, that builds that foundation of, of what's going to come.
1: But not to not to skip over your question of some of my favorite parts of the film. Um, I think when they go down, I should have done the name of the, the speakeasy they went to, but um, mm-hmm. when they go to the, the stuff with, I'm a huge Ron Perlman guy, so just the stuff with Narlac. that stuff was great. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes though has to be is when uh when they discover that Jacob grabbed the wrong suitcase and he's been attacked by the uh Murlap. Um I like Eddie Redmayne's or Newt's reaction to Tina when he's talking about the, the effects of uh, getting bit by a murlap. <laughs> he like just kinda like looks off to the side. Oh, they're not that serious. He just kind of like avoids eye contact <laughs> when he says anything.
2: <laughs> yes, or if it cool. if it was uh, if it was really serious, you know, the the first symptom would be the flames out of his anus.
0: Jake <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> was like, "What?" <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> uh just that reaction he gives when he's talking about the effects of a a bite from that creature um you mentioned central park briefly i like the one the that baboon takes uh newt's wand and blows <laughs> himself up with it
0: yeah <laughs> he tries to trade the the stick for the wand. it's the same thing <laughs>
1: I think those are a couple of my favorite scenes. Uh, can't really think of anything else off the top of my head. That I do. I do love all the stuff inside the suitcases, all the creatures, and everything. And the the niffler I think steals the show. I think.
0: Oh yeah, it's the it's the the uh, the the baby
2: Yoda of.
1: <laughs> He's got a name, God damn it.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> I know he does, but no
0: <laughs> but the the point is
2: <laughs> that that kind of niffler is that version of that, like just that cute creature that
0: you just you gotta love. <laughs>
1: Uh, well I'd say Between that and uh, the bow truck Old Pickett Both have a lot of good scenes But I think Pickett actually gets like Bigger significance In the later films But um mm-hmm. But uh Teddy the Niffler is uh Definitely sees a show like uh Particularly love when he's Uh in the jewelry store
0: Yeah
1: acts like He's part of the display in the. Uh, Newt takes that, takes it, makes that abrupt stop and <laughs> turns around, sees him there. <laughs> just yeah. the whole chase through the jewelry store, just destroying all that property in there.
2: <laughs> and I love how, like, you know, like Jacob, he's just standing outside, like, oh my god, Ugh. he's just cringing
0: at everything that's happening. his crash bang <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good stuff Good stuff So I think I I think this is probably the time I want to address my biggest nitpick Of all three films And that's I don't care about The Ezra Miller story arc Yeah
0: It's It's kind of one that I think I don't know
2: it 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 matters but it also doesn't in a way and especially i feel like it kind of gets a little bit kicked under the carpet i feel like especially in that third one um
0: oh,
1: it, really kind of, it, it, feel, it feels like it plays a huge part in this film yeah and that's it. it it, it fits in this film because you find out Ezra Miller is the one that is causing all this destruction because he's an obscurus. Yeah. But um, it seems like the latter two, later two films, it plays a very minute, like, well, I think once you introduce young Dumbledore, all you want to see is Dumbledore versus Grindelwald. I think that's all you want to see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's a little bit more focused
2: on that because it's the the kind of buildup of things and you know I th- I think that should have been you know a little bit more of the focus um because yeah the 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 first initial other, you know story with credence and everything um I I think would have probably ended like after the first film because I think it. I don't know. It just sort of drags on as an extra
0: thing in the film when it's really not all that important.
1: Well, yeah, 'cause I think you could have kept Newt and Jacob in the story since it's because it seems like Newt is on pretty quick that um, what's Colin Farrell's character's name that something's not right with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, which I'm
1: always, which I'm very curious as to uh, what tipped him off that something wasn't right. A character he doesn't know. Something just seems off about him.
0: Oh, I mean, he, he he just has a you know sense of of being able to
2: kind of read people and getting that sense of them and thinking, okay, there's. You know, he obviously spotted something that was that was off,
0: but he couldn't really, you know, pinpoint what it was. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he was he was definitely pretty quick about it, but he, he maybe he's just
2: he's just that observant because he's done so much of that, you know, with the creatures and things, and and so he's good with the small details. <laughs>
1: It, you can tell where Newt's passions lie with animals because you you see that pain. You hear that pain in his voice when they're taking the American Ministry of Magic and his suitcase gets taken away and he's yelling, don't harm any of those creatures, nothing in there is harmful. And uh, And when the three creatures escape the suitcase, he talks about how they're released, they're out there, with thousands of the most dangerous creatures on Earth,
2: yeah, humans.
1: So Newt, 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 was a different, uh, definitely a uh, precursor to Hagrid.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, He's, you know he he cares so much for those creatures, and he, you know, puts so much into. You know taking care of them and getting to know them and educating you know himself on them as well as you know trying to educate others too and yeah he he definitely has that where yeah his suitcase gets taken away and he's just immediately you know worried about you know what's in that suitcase and that they're not harmed and that that would be a thousand percent haggard reaction too
1: we saw what had happened with Buck Beak uh Prisoner of Azkaban, <laughs> I'm sitting there like, rethinking all these titles in my head.
0: <laughs>
1: um, or same with Norbert or Norberta yep. in uh, the first film.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you get the you, you definitely get where uh, who are, or, or I would say not a, like a precursor to haggard but. You could definitely tell that Hagrid was definitely inspired by Newt's Commander. Like, mm-hmm. Probably looked up to Newt's Commander.
2: Oh, yeah, probably.
1: Because I saw, I read something online, I read something in IMDb trivia, I think, is that Newt and Hagrid have very similar tales of their time at Hogwarts.
0: hmm.
1: The similarities that they were both um, expelled for similar things. But Haggard being framed by Tom Riddle and Newt actually having done what he did. Uh, I guess there was also one where he tried to stick up for uh, Miss uh, Lakita. L- <laughs> um, but then, uh the fuck am I talking about now? I'll scratch all that, but yeah, there. There are, there are similarities in the story arcs between Newt and uh, Newt and Hagrid, uh, both getting expelled, even though Hagrid was uh, framed, and also that Dumbledore stuck up for both of them
0: mm-hmm.
1: when their expulsion was brought up. They both have a huge love for animals, so
2: mm-hmm. basically, what I already kind of said is that. Um but yeah, like Hagrid and, and Newt, very much the same, and I can see Hagrid very much looking up to to Newt and being an influence.
1: Watching this uh, the night, uh, Becky and I were making jokes. I was making jokes at least about the president of Mac, Mac Macuza. I think is that what they called him, no. Macuza. Um, the president uh Pickery is that how her, how her last name was pronounced? uh pickery some yeah Something like that. yeah i just kept cracking jokes every time she was on the screen because she had a fancy hat on every time so i started calling her president of fancy hats
0: <laughs> <laughs> i like that though
1: <laughs> so um i initially thought with the Eddie Redmayne's performance of Newt's Commander, I always thought of him as portraying as socially awkward because he's a character who just mostly sticks to animals and not people. Mm-hmm. But there are theories around that he's actually, Newt is actually a high-performing autistic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What are your thoughts on that?
0: I... I don't know about like the, the autistic side, but I
2: could definitely see socially awkward. Um, just because he is very much, you know, I don't, I don't like to, I don't want to call him a loner cause I don't, he, he does his own thing. He He does what, you know, interests him. Like he he's observing creatures. He's observing, you know, nature and and things like that. Like that's just what he likes to do. And he has chosen to do it because he has such a an interest in it. And so when it comes to, you know, and actually, you know, interacting with somebody, it's like, uh, well, he's going to start talking about something that he knows very well to kind of. You know, start a conversation, or you know, continue it, or or something like that. Um, But I could see that kind of awkwardness, especially, you know, like with. um, Well, actually, well, it's going way too far ahead, but, um, but yeah, I could I could see the the awkwardness, um, just in the in the sense of, you know. Okay, how do I talk to people like what it's it's sort of a you know what do people talk about <laughs> other than you know creatures
0: and and things like that like so I could see more of that than so much autistic side I don't know it's yeah well, according I don't know. to this.
1: According to this, it's uh, according to IMDb. In both movies, of course, I'm looking off of uh, the first film, um, Newt's Commander clearly shows evidence of being a high functioning autistic, especially with his introverted personality, asocial behavior, distaste of human contact, and extreme fascination with one specific topic. I guess, I guess it just shows ignorance on my part. I always just translate that as him just being like a social awkward person, social awkward. And I'll use the word loner because he, he says that he annoys people and mm. um, people don't like him because he annoys them and stuff. So that's how I guess I always just translated him as being more social awkward because he doesn't make eye contact with people when he talks to them. Yeah, he just has those random topics, like you said, like random topics. So, what do people talk about? Or that he just shows that because I, I see myself have like finding very fascinating, like that, like going on a going on a side rant with somebody about Batman or whatever, you know, or Mm. Jim Henson or just any random nerdy topic, just have like a five minute soapbox speech on it just because something that's so interesting that you've mm-hmm. read about it or something. So I always just interpreted Newt, Newt as being anti like more of a socially awkward.
2: Yeah. I don't but, I kinda disagree on like the distaste for people. I mean I don't think he he doesn't have a
1: well it's the distaste for human contact. Yeah. He'd rather be around animals, the animals than people, which I
2: i mean can you blame them
1: no not at all (laughs) (laughs) people (laughs) do suck so
0: and i mean i i kind of you know i I kind of connect
2: with him too like just because like you know i'm not a person who is you know like you you know if there's a you know can have like a five-minute conversation about like Batman or or for like for me like for Doctor Who or something I'm gonna like fully be in it like a dirty shirt like that's gonna be my conversation for like the next like you know five ten minutes because it's just something that I really love talking about and you know sometimes I'll get kind of started in a conversation and then it oh it fades off into something else and it's kind of like okay that wasn't important or you know I, i'm i'm you know even you know interaction for having a conversation and then oh oh something else you know and then it's like okay i realize that nobody's listening and it's like okay i'll just shut up now and go sit in the corner quietly you know it's I'm I'm a little too good at being the the quiet observer, or the quiet listener, because that's just how I've been treated, and so I I kind of connect with him on that too, where it's just you, you do your own thing, you find your own interests, and you know focus on something else, because obviously you know <laughs> the 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 humans don't really give a shit, so
0: okay, I'm just go do something else. <laughs>
1: I don't know, but yeah maybe i'm just maybe I'm just uh ignorant and don't didn't see that but i i i i can appreciate both views of the portrayal of the character, but mm-hmm. maybe it shows my ignorance that he was supposed to be a high functioning autistic but I don't know. I, that's just how I interpret it. I'm not yeah. saying the theory is wrong. That's just how I interpret the character.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I've interpreted it the same, and I do from you know the field that I used to work in. I do have a knowledge of, like, I'm not extensive, but a basic knowledge of of, of autism and and how it works. And I have worked with kids with autism, so I do kind of I can see it I, like from his quirks and qualities, but I, I think it's it maybe. Maybe he could he could very well be that, that high functioning. But it, it may
1: it made me think of the what's the kid's name from the first Jurassic World? Um Zach?
2: I couldn't tell you, maybe.
1: Yeah, the little kid from the first Jurassic World film. Uh the youngest brother. Um another character who is been portrayed as being autistic Mm. in a film but that that's what that theory reminds of i can kind of link those two together in that Mm -hmm. aspect too because uh that character also has very similar characteristics to newt scamander as well yeah so what was your initial reaction to the uh The ending of the film when you saw it for the first time
0: It Surprisingly wasn't A shock to me Um It It just I think because
2: You know Having my You know knowledge of of Harry Potter and and knowing that that Polyjuice potion is a thing and you know him changing it's like okay and you kind of get that I feel like it's a little bit of a hint that well oh there's something off about him like okay you know and they keep talking about you know Grindelwald and, and that and it's like okay kind of put pieces together and it's I mean I'm sure it it was like a holy shit uh you know moment for some but for me i i didn't i don't know maybe i should have reacted that (laughs) surprised i don't know but i i I wasn't um it just meant that oh boy uh you know stuff is gonna happen now after this um and then
0: yeah the, the the whole thing with credence and all that too um yeah i mean it uh definitely you know ended on a I, i think reasonably
2: high note because i think you know now it's okay what's gonna go down now now that you have kind of revealed him and you know what's gonna kind of happen next that was my thought was oh boy <laughs> what's gonna happen next? But the the surprise for me wasn't really there. I, I didn't have that.
0: Oh my God!
2: You know, genuinely surprised moment. Um, but yeah, it's still. I mean, still a big moment though, because then it's just that step of okay, what's gonna happen next?
1: Well, I think. For somebody who went in blind, like I initially did, first messing this film, you're definitely gonna know that Colin Farrell's kicker's up to something. Was it yeah. Graves? Is that his last name? Graves?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you you know he's initially up to something because he's associating so much with uh Credence. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're a Harry Potter fan, you can definitely catch on that he's not himself because if you know the books and the films well enough, you know that Grundewald has a fascination with the Deathly Hollows. Yeah. And the the pendant that he gives credence is the Deathly Hollow symbol. So I think i not something I just, just caught on with one of my last feelings. Like, oh, it's the Deathly like, oh yeah. So you I just kind of piece it together in my mind. Oh, okay, that's that's like your little giveaway that something's not right with this guy. Like this okay I think if I were a more seasoned Harry Potter fan going into this film. I think that I think that the Deathly Hollows pendant would have been the dead giveaway. Okay, that's Grendelwald.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Because we don't know the character of Graves well enough into this to know what kind of person he is.
2: No, he's he's there. He exists, but he's also not.
1: Well, there's there's also very shady people throughout the Harry Potter universe that have positions of authority.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's so the fact that he was so seeing something with credence wasn't always like the tip off like oh this is this is grundelwald I think it had like had I paid attention sooner or had seen the the read the books and the seen the films prior to this I think that pendant giving that pendant like oh that that's the giveaway right there yeah because I know I remember Crum in uh Deathly Hollow's book talking about how he's not too keen on Xenophilius Lovegood wearing the symbol of Grendelwald.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think probably more Harry more experienced Harry Potter fans than I probably caught that right away. So oh, that's Grendelwald right there. No ifs, no buts, no coconuts, you know. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's a more subtle giveaway than I'll bring it up again. Uh, David Tennant's portrayal of Mad-Eye Moody and uh, Barty Crouch Jr. and Goblet of Fire. They really tipped their hand too fucking soon on that reveal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree on that one. It was another one of
2: those moments where it wasn't a surprise. It was very obvious.
1: Hey, Barney Crouch Jr. looks his lips like the fucking Joker. Hey, Mad-Eye Moody's licking his lips. I wonder if this is the same person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um...
1: (laughs) Oh, God. That's the biggest hang up for me in that film. Yeah. Oh God. No, it's funny, is I see so many people bitch about Harry's hair in Goblet of Fire. And it's like, did you see Ron's hair in Prisoner of Azkaban? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any hooters. Um, any more thoughts on Fantastic Beasts and where to find them? Uh,
0: one I well, one other. Well, I mean, there's so many, but one other favorite
2: moment is when they're. Uh, I really like the when they're outside the the uh, speakeasy and they just like, Ways the wands and like they're they're all dressed up and they're just like I wish I could do that.
1: <laughs> Being a it was, wizard or witch would make life so much easier
2: It would <laughs> It's like, oh my god I wish I could do that Like have everything just done and whatever And okay Here we go With That one of those moments is like Yeah, I wish I could just You know, I mean, I don't take long To, you know, if I'm getting dressed up For something or whatever, I don't take very long At all, I like maybe take five minutes But you know, it, it would be nice if it was a little bit quicker. Just there, I'm good to go. <laughs>
1: Definitely make cooking a lot easier. Cooking and doing chores a lot easier.
0: Yeah, really would. Would be nice. Hell, it'd make my work a lot easier. <laughs> Magic wand. <line. Shit's> <laughs> yeah
2: but yeah that was the only the only thing i had otherwise yeah i i really enjoyed the film um a lot of fun to go back into the the magical wizarding world again after you know five years of you know not really anything and then like when the you know deathly is part two and it, it ended and i was sad because it was sort of that end of a you know a pretty long journey and it just it was kind of sad, so it was nice to nice to go back into that that world again and see it on the big screen and and uh get to know new characters and see new creatures and just yeah have a really fun time with it
1: so yeah and i I definitely enjoyed it with the fresh viewing what six years later, so yeah so uh moving on to fantastic beasts 2 and the crimes of Grindelwald, which i i kind of laugh i'm looking at the dates here so the date for first fantastic beast film was november 18th 2016. but the uh release date for fantastic beast 2 was november 16th 2018. yeah Just that's funny flip around your 16s and your 18s there yeah <laughs> so your initial thoughts when you saw this one in in theaters uh
2: i once again like i i enjoyed this one it was definitely especially from the start um definitely felt it was the the darker gonna be definitely the darker film um just you, you know right from the beginning you know with the Wendelwald in the, you know, the prison and then getting out and that whole sequence of events after that and, um, you know, sort of him building himself up and so it's, it's definitely, you know, the, the tone is a little bit darker than, than, you know, the first one, but still, still manages to be lighthearted and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was great. It was great to see, you know, Grindelwald and and his, you know, journey into, you know, building himself up and creating his, you know, building his following and getting his kind of little group of like more loyal people and, you know, all that stuff. And then, you know, Jacob going on an adventure with, um, more, you know, adventures with with newt and everything and um yeah i i really enjoyed it i had a lot of fun with it just uh i think just as much fun as um the the first when, when i saw it for the first time
1: yeah i really enjoyed this one too seeing it for the first time um i had a theory the first time i saw it it was that it was abernathy who was uh, Queenie and Tina's boss in the first one? He ended up being a follower of grondewald Afterwards, wasn't it that they what they say at the beginning of this film when they're getting ready to transform that they had, he said four different guards and they've had to remove his tongue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So we it's revealed that uh Tina and Queenie's boss in the f- first film is a follower. Yeah. And I had this theory that. Um, Abernathy was like uh, Tom Riddle in disguise, but, um, reading an IMDb trivia, the math would not add up to that because, um, uh, according to Harry Potter lore, Voldemort or Tom Riddle was born in 1926. So, or December 31st, 1926. So Voldemort would only be like one <laughs> during the course of these films. So, oh, well. Yeah. Cause
2: this is kind of in the, what, sort of in the twenties.
1: It takes place 19. This one takes place in 1927, but uh, I, I thought with the, the look because uh, Kevin Guthrie's Amaranth does kind of look like the actors that played Tom Riddle, like the young Tom Riddle in uh, the Harry Potter films, a little bit, but um. Uh, and then the with the snake tongue the forked tongue that he gets from Grundwald as a sign of appreciation mm. and dedication to him like that's what i got that theory rolled around in my brain so i'm not too heartbroken that wasn't a sound theory but that it didn't help that nagini is in this film also so it didn't help that conspiracy theory in my head either <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: This one's definitely "The Empire Strikes Back" of the, of the three so far. It's got that. It's got that downer ending. Yeah, I think every second film has to have.
0: Yeah, I I think I think so. It it definitely, you know, from the 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 start, and I, I I even I look at
2: it that way too. I was gonna say. That, but I was kind of like, nah, I want to word it different and not call it. That. <laughs> but, but yeah, it it very much is because it's just it's it's that little darker tone and you know a lot of stuff sort going on and then yeah the very much that downer ending.
1: Yeah, you got two different instances of baby killing mm. in this film. You get essentially a call to arms from Grindelwald at the end of the film. but just, I guess, the tone in it. I think one of the darkest things for me is the Queenie joining sides with Grindelwald. Yeah. That was a very heartbreaking moment for me because I just love that relationship between Queenie and Jacob. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's really hard, but you really feel for Jacob because he.
2: You know he really loves Queenie and you know um like when you know they were in in Paris and and like he's he's sitting at the the little table and uh you know talking about her like you know I miss her and miss the you know even the things that that drove me nuts about her but he You know, and then it's also funny that, you know, Newt wasn't listening to any of it, but it's really sweet when he's talking about her and, you know, he, he really loves her. And then, you know, when it gets to that moment of, you know, Queenie decided like, this is, you know, kind of what side I'm going with. Oh, just heartbreaking. And you just, you see that with, with Jacob and oh,
1: yeah it definitely speaks a lot to what they kept setting up about Grindelwald and he's got a silver tongue the mm-hmm. key will tell you anything you want to hear he's very convincing he's very persuasive to get people on his side it worked on dumbledore years ago um i think it's it's got to be a safe safe to say that voldemort is supposed to be like in a way hitler Mm. so i was trying to say what um trying to think of what grundewald would be and this might be controversial i really think honestly grundewald is supposed to be trump Mm. and the way that he is a man of the people yeah uh he can be very convincing of what he wants to say to get people to like follow him but there have been many, very many leaders like trump too that have mm-hmm. had those so i'm not just saying it's hard to say for recent memory recent history going to trump but i'm sure there's been like other there's been there there has been other leaders like trump in the past who were men of the people who have that very persuasive uh, personality to them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, although I'm gonna also say that like, well, Grindelwald is a
2: little more clever than, anyway. But <laughs> I'm not. they—they well, um...
1: they both have like have.
2: They—they they have the qualities. They
1: have—they—they they, they have similar visions, but different ways of getting to it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and yeah, Grindelwald is very much Yeah he, he will He's got a way with words He knows how to use words And manipulate words And You know he He very much knows that And knows how to You know Get people to believe in his cause Because You know It's what people want to hear And he knows that So he can certainly play into that and uh he's very good at
1: it because yeah, even even when you meet tom riddle as a young boy you tell this kid's up to no good mm-hmm. um something's wrong about something's off about this kid but with do you kind of get that feeling that something's not right about him but he's very uh he's very convincing that he's in the right you know
2: yeah like it's it's like you know there's something off but it's also like well maybe not like
1: but he he, well, he makes a he makes an awful lot of good points yeah about certain things like well i guess that's one way to look at it you know and it's mm-hmm. it remind me of uh it reminded me of a joke that mark Marin told about Donald trump once how like i can't remember exactly so trump would say things after a while that kind of make like you, it makes you think. well i guess that makes sense about something how like oh, now we're going to start throwing all of our trash in the Grand Canyon. What? That's crazy. Well, wait a minute. Oh, I guess that makes sense because it's just a giant hole in the ground. Like, what do you do? You just kind of look at it and lots of space in there. I guess that makes sense. (laughs) So I guess um, Grindelwald has that approach where he says these things. Okay, I guess that makes sense. (laughs) Like, weed is because his big thing is he he more fears the muggles or the muggles putting him in. They also fear that they should be above the muggles. Mm. So, his theories of how and why there should be that separate separation has probably got people thinking, well, I guess that makes sense.
2: Yeah. And, like, you know, when he has the interaction with the, the one um, Ministry guy And, you know, for the greater good You know, like, that, that's his thing Like, just, oh, your name will be in, you know Carved in glory or whatever he, you know, he says And that, oh, you know, this is for the, the greater good So that, you know Like, even at the end, like, he's, you know, that you know we can be more free and we can love freely and you know things like that
1: which by the way that guy i didn't write his kicking him down could he looked any more like a villain right like when you first meet him at the beginning of the film he comes out from behind the pillar <laughs> like oh this guy isn't going to turn on us at all couldn't look any less like a villain
0: mm-hmm. You know, I assume i got the job and it's like oh boy
1: yeah, beck beck and i crack jokes about that like oh yeah, that's not if that's not a villain reveal if i ever saw one just yeah. stand there behind the pillar <laughs> like, hey,
2: <laughs> yeah not obvious at all he's he's gonna be the bad guy
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're definitely not gonna turn in the ministry at any point in this film no <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the up and up. Sure, Jane. <laughs> sure,
0: Jan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yep. I think this film does have the excellent points of uh Grunderwald reaching out to those people who need to hear what they need to hear to get at attorney. Like he really leans heavily on credence in this one when uh he meets him on the roof and tells him like hey what do you want from me like nothing from you nothing Mm -hmm. uh for you everything i never had yeah and then how he's able to reach out to queenie and speak to her because he finds these people in these very uh, um that's what i'm thinking of i don't want to say they're i don't want to say exposed but and not necessarily weak but like he finds them like you a, for like a better term he finds them like in a moment of weakness or very prone and speaks to what they need in that moment
0: yeah they're, they're in a they're very much in a
2: vulnerable state
1: vulnerable and... that's like yeah yes yes that's what i was thinking of. yeah thank you yeah.
2: <laughs> they're they're vulnerable they're you know they're kind of in a space where you know they they probably feel very much you know on the outside and not can't there aren't, aren't the people to fit in aren't the people to relate to to others and so in that moment in that moment of vulnerability someone speaking to them and he them hearing the things they want to hear or or feel that they need to hear
0: going to make that manipulation even easier Because it's, it's almost like, hey, this
2: guy's, you know, speaking my language He's speaking, you know, something that I can understand Like he's sort of on the level, you know, with, with things And, you know, I, I agree, you know, that what I want is what he wants And so, okay, uh, I'm going to you know definitely okay i'm definitely gonna side with you without even really thinking about it because you're just in that state of you know needing something like that
1: yeah i think it's definitely uh they definitely played into what Grindelwald's strength was something they it's i think it's great screenwriting by jk rowling here is that it definitely played up to his strength they set it up and they leaned on that character trait of him very heavily and they portrayed it very well it's portrayed very well on on the performance wise by depp and it's done very well in the script i think
0: yes absolutely
1: so the the, it easily could have been done so lazily Cause yeah. He could have gone up to Credence or Queenie and said, hey, join me, and it'll be like this. You can marry your muggle boyfriend if you joined me, you know, in my world or whatever. Yeah. He could have been filling them with empty promises, which in a way he is kind of filling them with empty promises in a way it seems like to get him to do his bidding. But at the mm-hmm. same time, they are not so empty. Mm-hmm. Like they have more debt, his his answers to them have more depth to them so you, does that makes sense at all
0: yeah they they have yeah um yeah they they're not they're not empty they they do have they've, they've got layers they've got
2: some kind of meaning um but you know find out kind of at the end of the day it's not so great but yeah it's yeah no i i get where you're coming
0: from
1: um and like i said during the, the first film this is a, like this is probably now the point where i don't really care about the credence storyline because mm-hmm. now we get young dumbledore introduced into this played by jude law and i think that's all anybody wants to see is how dumbledore is eventually going to take down Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. it has been set up in the previous franchise that that, that dumbledore is want to takes down Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. just my my point of view i think that's like once dumbledore introduces the story it's okay how is this going to happen how is this going to go down yeah so i don't think anybody cares about this thing anymore
2: no it it just his his story very much just becomes a filler because we already know sort of what like a lot of things transpired and whatever and it kind of that ended and now it's sort of just a, a little side story and that's it like it's nothing you know it, it doesn't really have any importance anymore and so yeah it's the focus yeah definitely is on you know Dumbledore and and you know dealing with Grindelwald so
0: yeah
1: um any favorite parts from this film
0: oh I definitely
2: what one of my favorites is um when uh Lita she Lita Lestrange, she puts the, the spell on the one girl like to basically shut her mouth and <laughs> so she, you know, all that whole secrets of her running away and everything and hiding and then, uh, you know, McGonagall, you know, lifts that and then, she, you know, starts like no, she did it, she did it. and then it's like, no, <laughs> it's like, I, I love that. <laughs> it's like McGonagall just, She she has no time for that crap, and you know I I just love that. but even you know, like that's just who she is. Like she, you know, she kind of has that that sass about her, and you know (laughs) I just love it. Okay, I'm done already. You know, (laughs) walks away. (laughs) Even
1: when she even when she was a younger woman, she had no time for that shit. Even when she was a younger lady, a younger woman, she had no time for that bullshit.
0: <laughs> no,
2: <laughs> so it's like, I I love that. And then um, I really liked when they're they're in defense against the dark arts and uh, the, Bogarts, the the Bogarts the Bogarts and <laughs> Newt is scared of uh, office work. <laughs> And it comes out like a desk and typewriter and books and papers and and his biggest fear is working in an office
1: <laughs> Can't say I blame him.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't oh my god. I would not want
0: to do that <laughs> Nope uh, But yeah, um And then uh, you know, I really like you know
2: the like Dumbledore and and you know in front of the mirror of Aruset and seeing the memory and it just you know it's that tapping into that freaking nostalgia and just like you know thinking of Harry looking at his family in that mirror and so yeah, it just, I just I really like that as well. Um, and yeah, I those those are the I think the big ones
1: for me well also in that scene too some of the at uh hogwarts you also get a a legacy uh family with the mm-hmm. McClagans. McLagan's the one in that is in the defense against the dark arts class who would later have a descendant that has the hots for hermione and is trying to take ron's spot as keeper on the quidditch team
0: mm-hmm. for,
1: for, for gryffindor
0: Yes. There
1: was another. There was another name inside Little Lestrange's desk too. That, that the Nigelus.
0: Hmm.
1: Nigelus. Um. All the Hogwarts stuff is great. I I love that. I, I I could see Maggie Smith Minerva doing that. It was just shutting somebody up with that spell. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, the actors did a great job of like capturing that uh, Maggie Smith's portrayal of an older Minerva who's not going to take shit from anybody, you know, like, mm-hmm. she she suffers no fools, I guess would be a better, uh, better description of that. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes had to be the encounter with the Zowu, the Chinese Zowu. Mm-hmm. Because the the way that creature is depicted, it reminds me so much of Rick Baker's American Wolf in London uh, Werewolf. Yeah, I love it. And the fact that it's just a giant kitty cat.
0: Yeah, he has a little toy, and he just
1: <laughs> how enamored it is with that little dingle toy. As I watch one of my cats just freak out over their toys right now. So that's just like a huge. And the fact that it's all cuddly with Newt, too, as well, when it's inside the suitcase and everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But just how big its eyes get when the little dangle toy comes out ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> this big evil creature that can leap across Paris in one leap, go from one end to Paris, the other in one leap. And they're like, oh, bell ding.
0: Yeah. Well, it's just, you know,
2: smashing things and flying and being angry. And then, oh, like the whole demeanor just changes. And he sees this little toy. <laughs> it just goes like one big playful kitty. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: well, it, it, speaks a, it speaks a lot to Newt's uh, outlook on these creatures. Is that they're not really dangerous. They're just misunderstood. Yeah. I had one of the favorite part too. What was it?
0: Um, I should have written it down. me no. Um,
1: fuck. Oh, it's the stuff with Nicholas Flamel. Mm. I just love how much he looks like a warmed up, a warm corpse, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind just of creeps out of the shadows and how Jacob, like, essentially crushes his hand every time he shakes his hand. I'm sorry, oh, it's, it's fine. <laughs> all that stuff is weird. Like, uh, it's just like a warmed-over corpse. It's all <laughs> full in that point. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm an alchemist. So I'm essentially immortal. The <laughs> mm. yeah, had the obvious plant of the uh, philosopher's stone, the really cool rock in the background.
2: <laughs> I was going to say that. Damn
1: it! <laughs> <laughs> Beat you to it.
2: Yeah, I did.
1: So uh, I like the stuff of Nicholas Fumel. I thought that was great. I, I'd. Overall, being a huge Johnny Depp guy, I did love Johnny Depp's performance as Grindelwald in it.
0: Mm. Yeah, I really liked his his portrayal of that character. I think he, he definitely had that, you know, that, you know, cool, calm, collected kind of thing. But it focused on the cold because he just,
2: you know, he has, you know, plans and things and he's, you know
0: yeah i think he he did he did a wonderful job of bringing that character to life for sure
1: um any other any other final thoughts before we move on to the last part
2: ah no just the you know reiterating that i just you know i really love the movie once again i felt like it was a um definitely a solid um sequel and continuation of the, the first story and it definitely it takes that darker tone but I think it needed to because it's all that build up of, of Grindelwald building himself up and and sort of making you know, planting his foot in the ground of you know, making a name for himself and kind of a little bit more than, than what he, he kind of was before um, and yeah um, I think Everybody did a great job, and I think Johnny Depp did a really great
0: job portraying the character and um yeah, I loved it
1: yeah uh, copy paste for me um I think now that Grunderwald and dumbledore become the main focus of this story arc that you have to have that darker because now you know dark what you know about Grunderwald going into these films, you know like. It's gonna get dark, and it has to be. Mm I, I think it's a Depp. Everybody did a great job at E. Redmayne, and uh, Dan Fogler also kept crushing it. Everybody, all the returning cast did great. Uh, Johnny Depp did amazing. So I think uh, it's a good segue to move on into. uh, Oh, and Jude Law, great being introduced as uh, young Dumbledore.
0: Yeah, I think he
2: does a great job too.
1: I guess at one point there, I think they had a couple people on their casting list, and it was, um, besides Jude Law, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was one. Um, Michael Gambon's son, who played an older Dumbledore. Who else was on that list? I can't think of what else was on the list at the time, but they had a list of a couple of big-name actors who were in the running for younger Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. But, I'm uh,
0: and they chose yeah,
1: Jude Law. Jude Law does a great job, I think. And mm-hmm. he, he really nailed down... Um, he really studied... Uh, the other two actors to play um dumbledore ahead of him to pick yeah. up the mannerisms and everything
2: yeah, the, the mannerisms just a kind of little bit of quirkiness, um no, taking things seriously but also not like he sort of has that it's, it's a, of well
1: yeah. i i see it more of like a duck on a pond uh, it's a reference from a movie called the replacements where it's a duck on a pond where you look calm on the outside you look at a duck sitting in a pond oh yeah on, on the surface it looks calm but underneath the water those feet are going a million mile a minute
0: hmm.
1: so you, so double door looks calm and together on the outside but on the inside it's just gotta be whirlwind you know Mm-hmm. I think we can move it on to Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of Dumbledore, mm-hmm. which came out just this year, April 15th,
0: 2022.
1: Yes. So most, how many times have you gotten a chance to see this film? Once. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to leave That's it at that. <laughs> uh initial thoughts.
0: I I dug it. But was it mind-blowing? Was it
2: something that you know, I I was I felt like
0: um kind of felt like excited about at the end of it. No, um, I think I, I, I yeah, I, I thought it was, it was all right. Um, I think it, it
2: was fun enough. Um, but it wasn't, it didn't really capture me as much as the first two, like, you know, sort of into the, the story and characters and. then into that world um yeah i i dug it
1: yeah i i think i dug it was probably the first time i said it for was for this film when i saw it um i didn't love it i didn't hate it i dug it and i think we touched on this when we had philip and craig on last episode it seems like nowadays anything would nerd him either it's the greatest thing ever or it's the worst thing ever and it seemed like there's very few in between i think so far this year we've had two films be that and that would be this film secrets of dumbledore and it'd be the new jurassic world um but to both, I have the same reaction. I dug it. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It's not my favorite of the franchise. It's not my least favorite of the franchise. It's. When I say franchise, I mean the Harry Potter franchise as a whole. It's not my least favorite. But it's also not my favorite. Um, yeah, it's. I dug it. And um, it sounds like this was originally supposed to be a five film arc. But. um uh, with because J. K. Rowling intentionally had intentionally wanted this to end or and not intentionally. Uh J. K. Rowling initially wanted this to be a five film arc where it would end in nineteen forty five, towards end of World War Two. Mm-hmm. So you have to assume that if if we do go to this full five films that yeah, we're gonna get the the final war between or the final battle between Grundelwald and Dumbledore, but we're also probably gonna start to see uh more Tom riddle stuff towards the end, I bet.
0: Yeah. probably
1: I think that's what the time Riddle finished up at uh Hogwarts was in the mid forties because Haggard was suspended in forty or expelled in forty two ish. So Yeah, to assume if they go by night, if they do decide to finish the other two films, and it does wrap in 1945, you have to assume that we're probably going to get some riddle stuff at the end, Mm -hmm. because Nagini's already been established in this universe, so yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's okay film, I say.
0: I think it so. I think it struggled. Um
2: because it I, I think it struggled because well one you do have a new actor playing Grindelwald. And so it's kind of a thing where you wanna introduce how this character is and like how, you know, the actor's betraying it but you also kinda of have to have like the establishment that well okay, he's You know, if we think of the previous film, he's he's built himself up. He's got you know his place where he hangs out, kind of thing, uh, for lack of better words. Um, And then it's just okay. It's kind of that build up again. It just sort of felt like that to me. Like it was struggling. Where okay, you were setting up that okay, he's you know got himself somewhat established and then okay in this film sort of even more so kind of but it's also building up and it's it, it really struggles i think
0: i don't know what do you think
1: i can see what you're saying but i'm gonna i think i might politely disagree okay. i think with the second film it's essentially him gathering numbers Mm. for his cause and now in this third one now that he's got his following he's now starting to find you got to find him getting a rise to power
0: Mm.
1: to be on a national level now where he can gain power to get things done that he wants to done
0: yeah
1: His. Mads Miggelson steps in the role of Grunderwald in this film due to reasons we're not going to discuss. Um but uh, um I think Mads does a great job too as well. And I do not see that many differences in their performance. I uh I have heard that Mads purposely did not watch Crimes of Grunderwalde because he didn't want to copy what Depp did. Mm-hmm. Um as respect to Johnny Depp, um, I think they are portrayed very similarly. Uh, he still has that very persuasive silver tongue aspect about him, how he's able to convince people to do things mm-hmm. or get in good graces of people for that kind of thing. Um, so I don't really th- see as it starting over, just because we have a new Grundewald I just see it's just the next phase in his plan. Because I always look at the first film as him trying to... um, He's building... The second film is he's trying to build his following. Now he's trying to get to a point where he can be in a place of power.
0: Yeah, that's
1: true. But not not to throw shade at what you're saying, because you also have a valid... Your, your opinion is also valid,
0: yeah, and it,
2: it makes it does make sense because now he's maybe that's kind of where, yeah, like it's he's now trying to get into that, you know more into the you know the political side to get more influence.
1: it's like the, if if gathering the, if if his little for like a better term pep rally at the end of vol- at at the end of the second film was phase one of the plan to build a following. I would say this film is phase two where it's okay, now we need to essentially just rise to power almost.
2: Yeah. He's got his people Three. that will stand behind him and you know support him. And then okay, that helps to get him, you know, Further up the ladder kind of thing
1: I'd say the weakest thing of this film Still has to be the Creed and stuff They're still leaning so hard on the Aberforth uh, Him being the son of Aberforth And everything and Well they want you to believe that it. it's the son of Dumbledore Of Albus but, um, it's,
2: it's so obvious It's not <laughs> I don't know To me it just, it's sort of like Okay, they want you to do but no he's not
0: No, I saw right through that because I just didn't feel like it it would work and It just no no I I, I wasn't I wasn't buying that for for anything
1: Yeah um, It's like, like I said in the two films, I just don't care about the story arc because now that we got this team trying to make a move on Grindelwald I just don't care.
2: Yeah. It it doesn't hold. Doesn't hold significance anymore. It's sort of been like it's okay, this has been done already. You know, it's can we move on? Like we we I mean we sort of have with you know, our focus is turning on to you know, Dumbledore and Grindelwald, and Grindelwald's step towards power or at least his his
1: Attempt.
0: Attempts to, you know, and that, that holds a hell of a lot more water than the other story.
1: It's, yeah, I don't know, it, it, it's nothing to do with Ezra Miller's performance at all in the film. It's because he does a fine job of what he's given to do, it's just, it just doesn't feel like it fits into the story anymore, yeah. Like it, it served its purpose in the first film. If you want to keep credence trying to find out who he was, fine, but I wouldn't lean on it so heavily, I'd say, I guess. Or make it feel like it's more important than it really is. Because mm. all in all, it seems like from what I decipher from watching, I've seen this one now three times, and now I own it on Blu-ray. And I saw it twice in the theater. Um, It seems like, if I deciphered it properly, is that he really only wants credence there to kill Dumbledore because they cannot move on each other.
0: Mm -hmm. But then he, you know, it all comes back to that blood pact,
2: and he ultimately ends up destroying it. So it makes Credence mute.
1: <laughs> and we also have a, a. Throughout the film. They ask how much time he has left. And it. Said it's something he's not had much time left. Anyway. Yeah. But I really think. Where the Credence story really loses. its Steam is like once you introduce young. Double to this. I think that's all people want to see is Dumbledore versus Grindelwald.
0: Yeah. That's, I, really, I
1: think that's the, the big weak point.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's that moment where, yeah, this, you know, Credence stuff is tossed to the side because it's just not, you know, we, we want to see, you know, the kind of big battle kind of thing. Like we want to see that interaction.
1: I'm yeah. more invest. I'm more invested in the Jacob and Queenie stuff than I am yeah. with uh, the Credence stuff.
2: Yeah. Same. I mean, same with me. i I very much, you know, much more connected to them than I, I think. It's just it's too. It's kind of like, you know, connection, relatability, sort of thing. Like you just, they're just, you know, genuine characters, and you really love them, and they're those two together are just so cute and so you just really your heart goes to them and they're you know creed and stuff yeah i mean you do feel for him in like in very much first film but that's about it and like you said like yeah dumbledore coming in well that's it I uh, you know <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore you know
1: So uh with you only seeing this once, uh, do you have any favorite moments from this film?
0: I I
2: did enjoy uh the the suitcase uh diversions. Um I, I, I loved how they you know they each had their, their suitcases and then, you know, uh, my favorite was with Jacob and he had like the, it was the suitcase full of like donuts and pastries and whatever and he basically uses that to like, you know, quote-unquote attack the other guy, <laughs> take out the other guys. <laughs> like I just I love that. And, and then when uh, Newt is sa- saving his brother Theseus from that prison and he got to do that kind of crab walk out to... Whatever and that that was funny.
1: <laughs> so did, did, did you that you and I had this conversation off? Mike, did you fall for the fact that Newt had this the briefcase the whole time?
0: No. No.
1: Well, see, I kind of bit on it a little bit and with my third viewing of it i think i figured out why i bit on it yeah i think it's because when jake jacob's the first one to grab a briefcase and uh when he goes to grab one uh kind of clears his throat and shakes his head Mm -hmm. so that's what newt focuses his eyes on so I really think they really lead you to that, like okay, that's the one that has the the chilling in it. And I really and then I piece it together at the end. and The whole plot of their whole strategy is because uh, Grindelwald can see into the future. Yeah. So they have to have, or they say they have to have a plan by not having a plan, you know. Yeah. That they They keep confusing.
2: Yeah, they can't be too predictable.
1: Yeah. So, taking that into mind when I finished my third rewatch, just before we recorded this, the fact that they leaned so heavily on Jacob not taking a specific suitcase, that Newt wants that suitcase. They lean on the fact that they can't be too predictable. And there's, like, little things like that where it was, um... That suitcase always seems to one of the latches always seems to pop open all the time. Mm-hmm. And the entire time Newt had that suitcase, none of the latches popped open. And I can't believe I didn't catch any of that right away. <laughs> because with the with the dramatic music and everything, and like the way they built the tension and everything, if they make it they do do a good job making it think that Newt does have the suitcase. Yeah. But when you pay attention to the fact that um yeah, they need to stay unpredictable that Newt doesn't know which suitcase the chillin is in. All that stuff. And when Bunty says to him at the end, not everybody can know you can't know not everybody can know everything or something like that or Yeah. So it so I I can admit I the first time I saw the film I I bit. Like
2: It it makes sense. I mean they, they do do a really good job of, of leading you to think that you know, that, that one of those suitcases is the real one, but in fact, it's not. Well, uh, but I, I do like how you well, went about it, though.
1: Well, I, <clears throat> I think after my first swing I could almost tell it wasn't going to be Theseus or um, Lally. I do have it. So those two I could like, cross off right away. Okay, those two aren't going to have it. Because, A, we're not following them as much. But I... I my mind was telling me that maybe um, Theseus had it. Or not Theseus. I mean, that Newt had it. But at the back of my mind, I'm like, I'll go, I bet Bunty has it.
0: Yeah.
1: remember when she's at the shop to get the duplicates made. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Chilling tries to pop out. I'm like, why didn't she put it in the muggle worthy setting on it so the thing wouldn't pop out mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just random thought yeah. but then you i think I think they did a good job setting up that diversion that bunty did have the the right suitcase and
2: i think so it's it's the person that you're not you know as kind of in everything it's always the person that you don't suspect or think of immediately that has Whatever, or done well, whatever, right? And if, I anybody, think,
1: if, if anybody's gonna have it though, besides Newt, will be bunty though.
2: Yeah, she. I mean, you know, she's been the, the the caretaker, the helper for with Newt, and so I think it, like Dumbledore recognized that and was like, "You're gonna take care of that."
1: Um, I really enjoyed a lot of the Hogwarts stuff in this one. Jacob talked about is. Wand, where do you get the wand? Oh, I got it for Christmas. Uh, yes. Getting the getting the cockroach clusters. <laughs> <And> the Slytherins. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed... Uh, I enjoyed a lot of the Grindelwald stuff in this film, too, actually. Because I think it... What we talked about in the first, the second film, how... Very I think I really I think it's the third film is where I saw a lot of the Trump comparisons In Matt's portrayal. Yeah Because Him just being that very man of the people Yeah, like uh, the, his French assistant, like hey, we should drive around back he goes no And just rolled the roll the window down. He just gets out and he just Essentially it's like crowd surfing on that high, walking into the candidates dinner. Yeah. everything.
0: He he's sort of it, it, especially
2: that, I... that, that crowd surfing, like he's he's a fucking rock star at that
1: point.
2: <laughs> yeah. To his followers, you know, like he's 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 a rock
0: star. <laughs> and then he loves it. You know?
1: That's you know, some of the stuff I enjoyed. Um, one of the points I really liked in this with one of the politicians, um, Anton Vogel. Mm-hmm. Um, when Newt gives him the message of do what's right, not what is easy.
0: Yeah.
1: In which case yeah. Vogel does the opposite. And, um, absolves Grindelwald of his crimes and then and then allows him to stand um i think i like his reasoning of why he lets Grindelwald stand because he says if we don't let the people people's voices be heard the streets will run red with blood so if he loses he'll lose fair and square instead of saying i can't let him run people will riot but if I let him run and more and he's more most likely gonna lose anyway that way he lost France square people's voices have been heard so I think in his mindset everybody wins okay the people want him to run we don't want him in power obviously but he's gonna lose anyway so just let him run we know he's gonna lose so I, I guess his reasoning for letting Grindelwald stand makes a lot more sense than, like, most would in any other mainstream film, I'd say.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, you know, what he said isn't necessarily, you know, like, he's not being, he, he's not being a hypocrite. He's not betraying what he, he said. He, he felt, you know, I, and, and I, I feel like he he was, still, he was doing what was right it's not easy it probably you know not easy for him to say that you know yeah i'm i'm gonna you know do what i do but it's the right thing to do so that
1: oh, oh no you know. no uh but i think the do what's easy not what's do what's right not what's easy applied more to absolving run to all of his crimes so that part i think he failed i think he dropped the ball in that aspect because, um. What was easy was absolving Grindelwald of his crimes instead of locking him up. That was what was easy, because he's feeling the pressure from the people. So I think that part he did fail. But I, I'm saying I see the logic in him uh, allowing him to run. The His logic behind that makes more sense then. But I think he definitely did fail, because Doubledore even says he did what was easy, now what was right. So at that point, yeah, he at that point Vogel gave into the pressure of the people by saying, "Okay, Grindelwald's clear of his crimes." Because it doesn't seem like, because it almost seems like Vogel had this grand plan all worked out in his head. It hit it all worked out in his head, but for some stupid ass reason, he didn't think that Grindelwald would be up to something that the children would choose him. That's kind of nearsighted on his part. There, he would suspect that would be up to something, but it was also very nearsighted of him to cave into the pressure of absolving grundwald But, but the in-between step of um, letting him stand makes sense. Okay, well, he's going to lose anyway. So, if I just let him stand and he loses, they know what people aren't going to revolt. So, so the people's voice is getting heard. And we're not going to get him in power. So I think he saw that part as a win-win.
0: Yeah. I didn't mean to step on you there. No. No, it makes sense.
1: I have to kind of laugh that he's baffled that Grindelwald did something. (laughs) Like, moron.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, he he should have seen it and he didn't because he just
2: whatever plan he himself had he just blinded himself to it. He
1: he took the coward way out of absolving Grindelwald of his crimes and then he had a touch of brilliance there for letting, letting Grindelwald stand but then he's back to square on moron when he's surprised that Grindelwald did something shady.
0: Yeah. Yep. Any other highlights of the third film for you? Uh, I think, like, yeah, what I, you know, well, I, I,
2: I do like that, you know, the Queenie realized that, you know, I, I don't, I think she, kind of from the start of the film, she wasn't, like, when we we see her again, um, that she was really unsure of things, like she she wasn't so much realizing that her situation. You know she got herself into is not so much a great one anymore. Like she's kind of figured that out and and I love that she does this you know she gets out of it and you know it is kind of a you know it's a happy ending for for her and Jacob. so that was that was really sweet. i really i I love that and i and when i because I saw the you know I saw the movie before you were able to see it and and you know I was just like, oh. Jared's going to love this because <laughs> we were just we, like we literally just had a conversation about how heartbreaking it was in the you know the second film at the end and that we were both really heartbroken and then that happens and it was like oh <laughs> so, yeah that that was that was a highlight for me uh, but um, I think that's really about it from from this film for me anyway.
1: Yeah, going off your point there, uh, so Queenie in Crimes of Grindelwald is very emotionally, spiritually lost. And Grindelwald swoops in to tell her what she wants to hear to to comfort her in her time of need. I think now the seriousness of the situation is setting in at the beginning of this film. So yeah, I think she, she just realized that she's just being used by, by him anyway to read, Creedence's mind, to read anybody's mind because he even uses him to read uh, Yusuf Kama's mind when he shows up to quote unquote betray Dumbledore. Yeah, but
0: I I think she, uh, I think Queenie needed that
2: though. Cause I think, you know, she, you know, like you said, like just in that, that very lost, just a a very lost soul. Like just wondering what, uh, what place do I have in this, in this sort of world? What purpose do I have? And, you know, I think she kind of needed that. And then to allow her to realize, like allow herself to grow from it and realize, you know, okay this is not such a great situation sort of like wake herself up from it like kind of you know okay yeah i i kind of got myself into this situation but i think it helped her to kind of grow and get her out of that state of uh like what what am i really doing here sort of thing like she's more of a
1: place for herself well she also you also see that she still cares for cares for Jacob too because in the scene where he's the attempted assassin which I love that he he jokes like oh I'm the assassin <laughs> <laughs> um, I like also his depiction of the the minister of magic for Denmark <laughs> like he, he looks like he kills kill somebody <laughs> But um, you see that Queenie still cares for Jacob um, when the Grindelwald's men are coming after Jacob. Yeah. And she just barely move. You see her move her wand and create a diversion,
0: mm-hmm.
1: to help Jacob get away with Lally. Yeah. Joe, so we, didn't, we didn't touch it in Lally at all. I did like uh, I did like the addition of Lally. Mm-hmm. Professor Hicks to this story So she was a fun little uh, Addition to this story
0: Yeah absolutely
1: And we joked about how the one guy That betrayed the ministry And number two We have another guy in this one The the waiter that's bringing the poisoned uh, Bringing the poisoned wine to Santos <laughs> Like hey That guy doesn't look shady at all Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: like, I think Grindelwald looks like the least shady Of all the villains in like, the whole Harry Potter franchise just, At least Mads Mads portrayal of uh, Mads a Look of uh, Grindelwald looks like The least shady looking villain in the Whole Harry Potter Franchise so far
2: I, I would agree <laughs> I saw him wandering around I'd be like Okay whatever he's just dude.
1: I wouldn't. <laughs> I like, look at look at look look at Johnny Depp's Dumbledore. He's got two different colored eyes. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you look at well, even when Voldemort was Tom Riddle, something looked shady about him. You know. <laughs> you
0: know.
1: Then you got, and he goes full snake. You look at any of the Death Eaters. Like any of them. Like Bellatrix Lestrange just looks like. This woman looks like she's got a couple of bats missing in her belfry. <laughs> like, <laughs> Professor Quirrell <laughs> something looks odd about him. Like something yeah. off about him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I would say Mad Middleson's portrayal of uh he's like the least threatening looking villain in the whole franchise. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: Oh, oh well, what can you do?
0: Yeah.
1: But like like we said at the beginning, like it's a good film. It it's it's okay. Like yeah. very few nerds are finding an in between anymore and I think this is very in between. It like I said to Melissa and Melissa said today, I dug it. When people in the real fans group were talking about it, I I just reply, I dug it.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's
2: kind of the way it has to. Ooh. We gotta just approach things like, especially now with with so many, you know, hot headed opinions on things, and such strong opinions, and it's just a, that sort of one extreme to the other. And I think you just you, you know we We really didn't get into this this movie as much as we we thought we would, but we also don't hate it like we'll you know you've watched it a couple more times, and i I do plan at some point to i i would like to you know buy the movie mostly to be the the you know the completionist so I have all three uh but I do enjoy the film and I do want to watch it again i just i kind of I'll admit, I kind of forgot that, like, it, you know, about it being, like, coming out on on DVD or whatever, and so, yeah, I, I kind of have to get around to that, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, with this initially being planned to be five-film arc, it looks like we might not be getting it now.
2: Yeah, which is sort of disappointing, because, I mean...
1: But if they continue uh, on, what would you like to see?
2: I think they they definitely need to. I think they kind of did with this one, like the the Credence thing, Dumbledore thing, like that that whole his story. I think is done. Um,
1: well, well, we so we're not going to talk about it. So, off screen circumstances. I think it's
0: yeah
1: clear to say the Credence storyline is done
2: yeah and i think it, it how they they did it in this film i think it fits for it being that completed story so uh regardless of anything else no the story in the in the film like how they did that i think that's a perfect end to to his story uh, you know and i i don't really know what i what else i i'd, I'd want to see
0: continue because yeah I, I don't know
1: as much as Newt's Commander has skyrocketed up my favorite list of Wizarding World characters, I would say the stuff with him, Tina, and Queenie and Jacob is done. Yeah. As well, um, I say that we just focus more on Jude Law's young Dumbledore, and whoever is going to play Grindelwald from here on out. And i would say you could probably keep uh. Lally and Yusuf moving forward, like this little army that Dumbledore, like a Dumbledore army. Um, This little crack team Mm -hmm. that uh, Dumbledore has built. Maybe if that's why you want to work Jacob and Newt back in, is there part of this crack team that's going to try to take down Dumbledore, uh, take down uh, Grundlewald?
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, even just having Newt there, like you could have him continue on um but the rest can kind of like they, they you know yeah i
1: i don't say if they didn't wrap it up completely in the story that unless they recast i think the created stuff is done yeah
0: I, I
2: don't i don't know i don't feel like it needs to continue i, I don't see it continuing other than just like repeating yourself so i, I want to see just I guess thinking about it now, having a you know minute to think about it, and just the more adventure like Newt doing things like having you know his little you know like now Dumbledore's you know got the group of people and just having that adventure and you know continuing you know you know with Brindlewald and whatever. Uh, because there's obviously more to you know, he's not gone yet. They haven't actually defeated him yet So there's more to that. But I mean you could even I feel like you can you, you Don't really need to have him in the next film. I like you could have a whole thing with Them I don't know but I, I just I would like to see more because I I really love what
0: they've done so far.
1: Yeah Yeah, so. uh, I wouldn't mind seeing more too, but i'm sure there's because every there's always a a creature that plays a a pivotal point in, the, in these films too with like and this one you got the chillin, and then you get the zoo in the first in the second film uh and you get the thunderbird in the first in the first film like where a one one specific creature plays like a pivotal pop point
0: in it mm-hmm. and of course you
1: get the supporting role from, like, Corson Pickett and from, uh, Teddy. And other random characters pop up here. Other random creatures pop up here and there, but I think there's a way you could still work in, because you can probably got to keep Theseus around, too, since he works in the ministry. But, mm. um, yeah, but I'd I like to see it more like we're done with, uh, done with, we're done with, the. Uh, credence dumbledore stuff it's i i say we just focus more on dumbledore and Grunderwald from here on out
0: yeah yeah i agree i, I think that would work the best uh,
1: and i still say if we get that that fifth film and it ends in 1945 like jk rowling wanted i bet we get some time riddle stuff in that last film
0: yeah yeah i could it, it would work and
2: I um, I'd probably be a little bit disappointed if that didn't be a thing.
1: <laughs> well you you have to think if they do two more films that spend in nineteen forty five and they go to Hogwarts in sometime in the forties then you have to almost assume that you're gonna see like a young Tom Riddle in the background or something. Or okay. get name dropped or something. Like oh we're, we're having a problem with this student, Tom Riddle or The fourth film ends with Dumbledore saying, I'm going to go find this kid named Tom Riddle at an orphanage. Like, we'll get name dropped or something. Like, you can't name drop Nagini and not name drop Tom Riddle in the franchise, you know?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true.
1: Any final thoughts on the franchise as a whole?
2: uh i really enjoyed the the franchise um i i think it's it's great that they you know have have basically brought that the magical wizarding world back and um you know a whole new set of characters that have you know been portrayed very well and the stories have been told have been great and um yeah, I I really enjoyed it. It's it's been great, you know, d- definitely diving back into that again cuz, you know, it was a good sort of, you know, decent break in between and, you know, now having that back. It's it's, you know, great. It's it's very much just like, you know, um, you know, the growing up with with Harry Potter and always having that and, you know, loving all the movies and just like that's one of my, you know, my biggest obsession was maybe not so much obsession, but biggest interest was, you know, Harry Potter. And so now it's the whole new different thing. And, um, yeah, I I've really, I've, I've enjoyed, uh, being in this world and, and enjoying the creature, new creatures and characters and, um,
0: uh, all that stuff. So, yeah.
1: I really enjoyed it too. Um, Dan Fogler provides some great comedic relief throughout the whole franchise. Um, Eddie Redmayne just knocks it out of the park with his portrayal as Newt's commander. Uh, great performances by Jude Law, Johnny Depp, Mads Mikkelsen. Really, not any bad performances in the whole franchise. Actually, no. Just
2: everybody's been great.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's definitely a fun franchise. I'd like to see them finish this five film arc if they decide to go. If they decide to do so, Um, yeah, I I, I'd say it comes highly recommended from both of us if you're a fan of the Wizarding World. Um, Yeah, I'd like to see more. And like, I guess I know Eddie Redmayne was like the crew's number one choice to play newt's commander like they didn't interview anybody else or audition anybody else that's who they wanted i guess the auditioned for a young tom riddle for one of the earlier films I Can't remember which one chamber of secrets i think um so, well, so where working the listeners keep up with if the, they choose to
0: yeah they can um
2: Find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, at MissMelissaN25. It's all lowercase, nothing fancy. Um, Basically, just... um, It's going to be a little bit less about hockey on my uh, Twitter feed now that everything's all good and done. Uh, (laughs) And then it's just, like, random nature pictures and things on my Instagram. So if you're interested in that, you can certainly follow me there. Um, Where can they find you, Jared?
1: Uh, You can keep up with me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mista, M-I-S-T-A underscore J. It's where you find pictures of my beard and of my cats. That's what the internet is all about. Um, I do have a second show in the works, still in the planning process of that, so keep an eye out for that, called Pre-Beard Cinema, where me and my buddy Mikey look back Back at all those movies we grew up on in the 70s and 80s, before we had beards. <laughs> Our studios didn't give a shit about scaring kids, you know, <laughs> good old days. Uh, as a podcast as a whole, you can keep up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast, And be sure to send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com.
2: And if you want to keep listening to us as a podcast, uh, you can find us on our home at Podbean, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And on any one of those platforms, be sure to leave a rating and review.
1: And uh, be sure to stay tuned to those podcast feeds, because our next episode, we will be taking a trip from the Wizarding World to a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> so, um, the world's still a scary place out there. There's walls hiding everywhere you look. So don't be fooled. Uh, The best way we can get through this is to uh, be excellent to each other.
2: And nerd on, dudes. The thoughts
1: and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are
2: theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks for listening, guys.